listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. All right, listeners, welcome back to our show. Today we have a special guest coming to us from Orange County, California. He is a self-proclaimed solo 401k expert with Sense Financial Services, LLC. He's also a real estate investor, and he focuses primarily on helping people invest through their retirement accounts. So this is a subject that I want to know more about. I know our listeners want to know more about. People are asking me how these self-directed IRAs and self-directed 401ks work all the time. So I'm really excited to have an expert on the show. Welcome, Dimitri Fomenchiko. How are you today? Thank you, Sterling. It's uh, great to be on the show. I'm doing great. So, Dimitri, can you uh, kick it off just telling us your backstory, how you got into real estate, what, you, what you've been doing? Sure, yeah. Well, my background is an electromechanical engineer, and that's what I went to school for. Originally, I'm from Russia, as you can hear from my accent. I'm not from here. but I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, this beautiful country is my home now. Happy to be here. I've been uh, here more than half of my life, but like I said, Electromechanical engineering is my background. That's what I did for the number of years after moving in this country. And then I got laid off, and that kind of forced me looking into something else. And I got recruited by a financial services company, started in that field. And around the same time, I was introduced to the concept of real estate investing and started doing that. And eventually transitioned full-time into real estate and working with a local firm was given a task to start a department for self-directed retirement accounts within a company because of my experience and knowledge had to learn a lot more because that's different than what i what i was doing prior to that sure and about a year later i transitioned on my own started sense financial back in 2010 so we're celebrating 10 years this year Congratulations. Thank you. So tell us a little bit more about the, the real estate investing. Where did you start? How did that progress? And, and then, you know, what are you investing in today? Sure. Well, I started with single family rentals, specifically with foreclosures back in 2001. It was a good market, good, good time to invest. I'm a handyman, so buying foreclosures gave me good value. And I was able to fix up and uh, add additional value and was just doing that. Uh, I purchased a couple of properties locally here in California, which in about four years, four or five years, they almost tripled in value. Uh, Hard to believe, but yeah, that happened. The timing was great. I pulled some of the equity and started buying more properties outside of the California market. And then um, market kind of crashed. I ended up Losing a few of my properties was a good learning experience for me, although painful. Um, But when I started my company, I basically changed my strategy. I wanted to move more towards passive investments. I didn't want to deal with tenants and just single-family rentals. So I started liquidating some of my portfolio and became a private lender, just lending to individual investors. And uh, it's been great. Still doing that, but it's great for retirement accounts. But personally, interest income just increases your overall income and increases your taxes. There was no deductions on interest income. And so I was looking for 
some alternative ways. And uh, a couple of years ago, I moved into multifamily syndications because now are you tax benefits. are you syndicating the multifamilies or are you investing in I'm, other? I'm not. No, I don't have time for that. I just invest passively in other people's deals. Awesome. So let's back up again, because this is a topic. One of my listeners called me yesterday and said that a lot of the people I interviewed seem to have started after the crash. And he wanted to hear more stories from people who survived the crash. So what type of investing were you doing before? I know you said you had single family, single family rentals, was it? Yeah, single family pretty much. I, I actually had three fourplexes okay. in Huntsville, Alabama. Again, that was in the beginning of my investment career. I ended up liquidating them. I did okay, made money on them, but the reason I liquidated because the, the market that they were in, the area of the city wasn't great and so not good quality attendance i got a couple of them (laughs) yeah but it's primarily single family homes those houses that you bought in california did you find they were cash flowing because a lot of investors that i talked to in california say that the value of the the homes are so high in relation to the rent that you can get that it's hard to make houses in california cash flow well, now, yes, certainly. I don't think you can you can make the numbers work right now. But at the time when I started, again, that was almost 20 years ago in 2001, 2002. That's when I purchased my first two properties. Yes, they were cash flowing at the time. Now, how, you said you lost a couple of properties due to the crash. What what exactly happened there? Uh, well, like I said, I those properties, uh, California properties appreciated. And I didn't have proper guidance. I didn't have enough knowledge. Probably, I admit, my greed was driving me. I wanted to you know, buy more and maybe achieve more. I should have taken things a little bit slower. And, and over-leveraged. Uh, yeah, over-leveraged. Uh, ended up buying properties that were negative cash flow uh-huh. outside of California. And when they negative cash flow and then the market drops, the value drops, so it becomes unsustainable. I ended up losing a few properties. So how did you bounce back from that after the crash? Well, I still had several properties and I continued to buy. And in the time, shortly a few years after losing the properties, I purchased another property locally foreclosure. Again, fixed that up. That property more than doubled in value. Again, I liquidated that property by now a few years ago. I just continue, you know. One uh, maybe suggestion or or lesson or you know recommendation I can give to listeners is that if you're gonna give up, then you won't succeed. You know, right. part of success is is not giving up, even after the failure. You know, you just gotta learn from your failures and move on. Yeah, those those are valuable lessons. As a result of that, I became more conservative investor rather than you know, trying to chase the highest possible returns, I still would like to get decent return, but I like to minimize the risk. I'd like to preserve what I have while achieving growth. Awesome. So I definitely want to get get on to, you know, the self-directed retirement accounts. But before then, you mentioned a few other things that I really want to hear a little bit more about because they're two topics that we haven't yet dove into on our show. 
The first one is note investing. Can you give us a quick rundown of how that works and what your experience with investing in notes is? It's fairly simple. I actually was introduced to note investing by one of my clients. He connected me with uh, one of his friends. Uh, so that was my first note that I did. A local investor on a property here in California. So it was a rental. He held it for a number of years. It had decent equity in it. So I came in in a second position. And the CLTV on that property was you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 60, maybe 70% at the most. So there still was, it was fairly secure loan for me, getting 10% on that. I still own that note. So can you can you explain to our listeners that may not be from might not be familiar with with note investing exactly, you know, what what that process is? What does it mean to invest in notes? What are you looking for and what exactly are you doing? So when you invest in a note, you essentially become in a bank. Rather than buying a property, if you have the money, and that's where retirement accounts come in very handy because you can use your IRA or 401k to become a bank. Your IRA can be a bank and capitalize on that opportunity. So if somebody, not everybody can qualify for conventional financing for many reasons. Maybe they don't have a credit, maybe they have too many properties. So investing in notes is basically asset-based lending. You're not lending based on individuals' ability to repay the loan, based on their income or their credit report and so forth. You still look at that, but that's not essential. Essential is the, the property, the security for the loan. Typically, those private loans or hard money loans, they're committed pretty low risk. I've done both first and second position mortgages. Typically, I'd like to stay under 60% LTV. So let me give you an example. Let's say somebody owns a property that is worth $500,000 and they have first mortgage on it for $200,000. So they have $300,000 worth of equity. They can't qualify for conventional financing. They need some money for whatever reason. So I can come in as a, as a bank, either using my savings or my IRA, and I can come in into a second position. Again, I'm just giving you an example. Sure. Uh, you can certainly be in first. So you can come in in a second position for 100,000. So the combined loan to value or CLTV is 60%. So you still have 40% equity protecting your interest. And you get a nice returns, typically double digit returns you can get with uh, private lending. You have pretty low risk because the property is protecting your investment. So very passive. Is note investing and private lending essentially the same thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've, I've never I've never thought about how similar those two things were. So what other types of, of things are you are you when you said private lending were you doing? So would you would you always lend to I guess the owner of a rental or were you lending money out to fix and flippers or I've done both. I've done I lend to fix and flippers as well as longer terms. Maybe one of the examples before the Sure, you mentioned maybe uh, like an example of a deal that went bad. Maybe I can uh, explain that. Uh, yeah. One of the exam- that was actually my second uh, loan that I did. The, the first one I'm still holding. The second one, 
is basically was with, with a company. Somebody introduced me to this company. They were a company that held a portfolio of properties. So it wasn't like an individual investor who owned sure. that. The company owned those properties. It was a property in Pennsylvania. So I lent them $38,000. I was in the first position getting 9% interest. So $38,000, I was getting $350 a month in rent. After holding that note for about three years, they started paying late and basically more late and more time went on, the more late they became. And eventually they defaulted on that loan. Going back and just analyzing what happened is that they simply mismanaged their portfolio because they had over 100 properties in, in a few different markets. It has been a stressful time for me because I never experienced this before. But so the, did you get the property when they defaulted? Well, at the end, again, I, I still was a lender. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't own the property. They own the property. Normally, you will foreclose on the property to protect your interest. I was able to negotiate with the owner, didn't do a foreclosure. So they agreed to sign the deed to me instead of me foreclosing on the property. So okay. now, and I own that property in my retirement account. Okay. Now I own that property. Remember, I lend $38,000. The property is worth 70000 right now. I was getting three fifty a month in interest payments. Now my rent is six seventy five. Okay. So as you can see, your worst case scenario. As much, it, that doesn't sound. Good. That doesn't sound like a bad deal at all. It can be pretty good. Yeah, it, it has been stressful time for me because again, I never experienced that. But if you do your due diligence and if you, if the underlying property value is there to protect your interest, then it's pretty hard to lose money. Got it. So let's dive into your expertise and talk about, tell us about self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks and how our investors can use those, how they, how they're set up and what type of investing they can do with them. Well, let me give you start with the basics and maybe explain the, the, the IRA. So typically, an IRA is an uh, individual retirement account that is held by the custodian. Custodian, major custodians that most people know, Schwab, mm-hmm. Merrill Lynch, TD Ameritrade, uh, or, or banks. And the custodian has the ability to limit your investment options. So when you go with the custodian, one of the major custodians, they will limit your investment options. So if it's a brokerage, they, they want to sell investments that they sure. have. Right. So you'll be limited, your investment choices will be limited to those confined to the stock market. Now, you can go with a self-directed custodian that does not have those limitations. Basically, it's a trust company that holds your IRA and they open those investment options. So you can buy property, you can, buy, you can do private loan and things like that. The downside is that you have this custodian who's basically has custody of your funds, cash and assets, and you have to go through them each time for each and every transaction. There is a cost involved and there is a time delays. Some people find that inconvenient and that's where the solo 401k comes in. And solo 401k is designed for those people who are self-employed or own a small business without full-time employees. 
So those are my clients. And uh, many real estate investors fall into that category. And self-employment can be in any form or shape. You can be a real estate agent. You can be a wholesaler. You can be a flipper. Even if you flip one property a year, that's a legitimate business you have, legitimate self-employment activity. And so when you do that, then you can establish a solo 401k plan for your business or sole proprietorship. Solo 401k plan does not require a custodian. So there is no middleman, middle company involved. We create the plan, we create a trust. You become the trustee of the 401k trust. And as a trustee, you control it. So trust is basically an entity. It has its own unique name. It's its own unique tax ID number issued by the IRS. And then you can open a business checking account for your 401k trust. When you do make a rollover from your existing IRA or 401k, it goes into that account. And from there, you direct the investments. And you can make investments as simple as writing a check. Awesome. So what type of investments are you allowed to do? I know that there's some restrictions on, on how active you can be in your investments and things like that. So what are these, what are these self-directed retirement accounts best? What type of investments are they best for? Well, you can virtually invest in anything. IRS actually does not give you a list of things that you can invest mm-hmm. rather than give you a list of things that you cannot do. And as far as investments, there is only two things that you cannot invest in, and that will be collectibles and life insurance contracts. That's what you cannot invest in with your IRA. Now, on top of that, there is a prohibited transactions, and prohibited transactions typically arise when disqualified person is involved in a transaction with a retirement account, IRA or 401k. And disqualified person is yourself, the account owner, your spouse, your parents, grandparents, your kids, grandkids, and their spouses. So basically a vertical line. So that's easy way to remember. Vertical line is not okay. Horizontally is okay. You can, you can uh, engage in a transaction with your brother or cousin or nephew or uncle, right? Those will okay. not be considered disqualified. But immediate family members are not allowed. And, and to give you an example of a prohibited transaction, if you, uh, let's say you would like to purchase a rental property in your solo 401k, and you actually a real estate agent, mm-hmm. you cannot represent your 401k because that will be considered providing services to the 401k. There is a transaction between 401k plan and yourself, and you're a disqualified person. Got it. But that is not allowed. On top of that, as an agent, you will receive a compensation and you're not allowed to receive any benefits from the plan. Sure. So earlier you mentioned that you were a handyman and you fixed up a lot of the early properties yourself. Did you invest in those properties with a a self-directed retirement account? No, no. That was way before I even knew about self-directed retirement account. And you if, would not be able to do that. If you, you had, you would not be you would not be allowed to fix them up. Yeah, you can't do any work on the property that your 401k owns. You can't manage it or anything. Well, you could manage it if it's a single family rental, there is not much involved. So you. technically nothing prevents you from managing, 
what you're not allowed to do is being, you know, providing any work on the property or any services. If you're managing it, again, you're going to be limited to only administrative functions. You can take a call from the tenant. If there is a repair, you can select a repairman or a contractor to go and do the work. You won't be able to do it yourself. You can pay the bills, you know, property taxes, insurance repairs. You can do all of that. But again, only administrative functions you're allowed to do. Got it. So what type of investments do you find that your clients are are typically investing in with these self-directed programs? Well, uh, many of my clients are real estate investors. So they do invest with uh, retirement accounts in real estate. They do private lending. They also invest in somebody else's deals. Uh, okay. Like when you somebody's flipping, they come in as a, as a bank and they lend money to them and receive interest. That's completely passive. Uh, there is also all kinds of, again, th- there is no limit, pretty much almost no limit to what you can do. You can invest in private businesses. You can invest in private placements, in syndications. You can, I do have clients who invest outside of the U.S. I have clients who invested in India, in real estate, in China, Japan, Canada, South America. So what about somebody who has a W-2 job and they have an active 401k with their W-2 job? While they're still working there, is it possible to roll that over to a self-directed IRA and start investing that way? Or is that something they would have to do it when they left the company? Most likely no, because the, the plan rules of your current employer probably will not allow you to move those funds while you're employed. Sometimes there are exemptions. So you can contact your, depending on how long you've been there. If it's so recently new employer, probably not. If you've been there for a long time, you might be able to access portion of it. So what you do want to do is contact your HR department or plan administrator and ask them about in-service distribution. And what that means is that while you're still in service, meaning you employ there, you take a distribution. So th- there are exemptions. You might be able to take a portion of it. But typically, if you're employed, as a rule, the answer is no. Got it. So what else do our listeners need to know about investing with self-directed retirement accounts? Well, one of the things that uh, kind of trend that I noticed, again, over the years being in financial services and also doing what I'm doing right now is that people are concerned about diversification, uh, about the risk. And so if you have a just a conventional retirement account invested in the stock market, you and I, Sterling, and probably all of your listeners, we do not have control over the stock market. It's been doing great over the past couple of years, and hopefully it will continue to do well. But there's going to be a correction, and there's probably going to be a crash. We don't know when that's going to happen, and we have no control over that. Now, when you take those funds and you diversify that and and you invest into something that you have greater control over, as an example, again, being a private lender, you can invest as a loan. And you have much greater control over that. If you're buying a piece of property, again, you have much greater control than the stock market, for example. 
you have control where you're gonna buy, what type of property you're gonna buy, you have control what kind of improvements you can make to the property which will result the, the income, it can increase the income. So there's other investments that you can control much greater than just stocks, which you and I have no control over. Gotcha. So earlier, it sounds like you had already kind of walked us through one of your disaster deals. Do you have like a home run that you could share with us? What was your, what was your most successful investment? Well, um, Again, probably I did mention that in the beginning of uh, my first two investments. Well, actually, my first, very first purchase was my residence. I purchased a townhome that eventually I turned into a rental, but that pretty much tripled in value. Yeah. You know, it was just a timing. I, again, it's unusual to see it. In a, that kind of thing happens in California. That kind of thing doesn't happen in South Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah, and then so that was my uh, residence, the town home, and then I purchased a foreclosure up in a high desert uh, here, about one hour away from me, from where I live. Both of these properties they tripled in value in about four or five years, which is insane. But again, it's realizing that the market goes in cycles and understanding those cycles. You know, it's it's really you can do a lot better if you understand those cycles. There's a uh, when to buy and when to sell. Sure. So what advice do you have for our listeners that are looking to start investing in real estate just in general and then specifically if they're interested in investing with a retirement account? Well, start learning. Again, the, the mistakes that I mentioned that I made was because of lack of information, lack of experience. And right now there is so much information out there. Again, this is an example. Listen to the podcast. Learn from other people's experience. And there are people that might be able to take you under their wing and, and train you and, and help you in your begin your investment journey. So there is so much information, but you gotta start somewhere. You know, you, you gotta wet your feet, so to speak. You gotta start somewhere. And I think private lending is, is a good way to get started. You can partner with somebody. You don't need a whole lot of money to do that. But you've got to establish a network of uh, trusted people that you know. I do invest with a broker. So majority of my private loans that I do right now is through a broker. So what um, do you mean by that exactly? Well, th there are private lending brokers who specialize in, in these loans, private loans. And okay. they basically underwrite the loans. They, they fund the loans and then they bring investors in. Okay. Uh, so this way, it's it's already pre-vetted. You just have to, you know, review the information. If you like it, you can jump on it. Cool. So, what type of certifications would these brokers need? Are we talking like a like a stock broker, or is this like no? no it's a mortgage broker. It's a mortgage broker. Yeah, just like uh, again, I don't know exactly what the specifics of the certification, but I'm assuming is that, you know, if somebody is a mortgage broker helping people just get normal loans I gotcha. to the bank. You know, they need to have a license. I know in California, it's a NMLS or something like that. So you do need to have a broker's license to originate loans like that. And there are brokers that specialize in that. So I, I established a relationship with two brokers and they bring the deals to me. And I select, I handpick uh, from what they have available. Awesome, awesome. So 
real quick, we have our radio round. We just ask our listeners, what's your favorite, we'll ask our guest, what's your favorite book? Related to real estate? I would say nonfiction, rather either related to, to real estate or business or psychology. I just, some, I, would, I would say favorite nonfiction book. Well, I mean, if just generally speaking, my favorite book is the Bible. And I quote Bible specifically Proverbs just in, in my daily life talking with clients because Proverbs has a lot of wisdom on, on finances and investing and just in life Absolutely. in general. That's my instruction book. But, you know, going to uh, maybe a couple more t- to mention, two books that kind of changed my life, I think, is Reach Dad, Poor Dad and sure. uh, Cashflow Quadrant. Okay. And that's something that I'm teaching my daughter now. She's 14 years old. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So she's reading a Rich Dad Poor Dad right now. And awesome. uh, the next book she's going to read is Cashflow Quadrant. And okay. I'm teaching her that, listen, I was in the top left quadrant uh, sure. initially. And right now I'm on the right side of the quadrant. I do on a business. I do on a system that generates income for me right now, my business. And I'm also an investor. My money is working for me. So you want to be on the right side. And, you know, it's, it did make sense at the very beginning. It's been a long journey for me to, to get there. But certainly anybody can do it. Absolutely. And that's probably our most common answer is rich dad, poor dad. And cash flow quadrant is a great one as well. I have the game and I certainly plan on playing it with my son when he gets old enough. And I don't know how many copies of rich dad, poor dad I've personally bought to hand out to my friends, but that's a great answer. What about, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Well, I do enjoy outdoors. I like to visit new places. I go in uh, snowboarding next week. I, I, when I was growing up, my dad took us uh, camping and uh, I just discovered something uh, I loved, which is backpacking. Yeah. Uh, did a couple of backpacking trips uh, last year. We intend to do more. Just being out there in the nature and see God's creation is, is amazing. There's awesome. so much beauty out there. Well, if you love being outdoors, sunny California is the place to be, isn't it? It sure is, although, you know, it's more of a, like a desert here. Uh, <laughs> you got to find, you got to kind of go up in the mountains to see, you know, for me specifically, because I like, you know, greenery. So you got to travel a little bit to see that greenery. Certainly there is a Eastern Sierras, Lake Tahoe, it's, it's amazing. I went to Lake Tahoe last year for the first time and I was amazed of the beauty that California has. I, I didn't think so, but uh, yeah, it sure is. Well, Dimitri, thank you so much for demystifying self-directed retirement accounts for us. We've had a lot of requests, so we were super excited when you reached out and glad to have you on the show. How can our listeners find you, find out more about you, and how can they get in touch with you? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Facebook, or the easiest probably go to our website, which is sensefinancial.com and sense is like common sense s-e-n-s-e sensefinancial.com and uh, we have a lot of educational material there articles and videos on the topic of self-directed investing and you can reach out to me from there awesome i will definitely check out the site and look for some information on there myself and and we'll try and get it out to our listeners as well thank you again for joining have a great day thanks for having me 
Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestworthcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.